So, this weekend, this last weekend, uh, there were four or five of us that went up to uh, the Kingdom Come Conference in Johannesburg uh, with uh, Bill Johnson and Paul Manwaring. And uh, we had a wonderful time, and it was just, uh, just wonderful just to experience, uh, the, I don't know how many people, probably but somewhere between three and 4,000 people uh, worshipping the Lord. And uh, it was just, uh, just wonderful just to get lost in, to lost in Jesus, lost in the worship. And uh, right at the beginning, because uh, it's about kingdom come, we were, we were uh, meeting. Our first meeting was on uh, Thursday evening when the State of the Nation Address was being delivered. And we were coming with a different spirit. We were coming with... with uh, the Spirit of Jesus, and we were praying, uh, and, and we specifically prayed for our nation. Our nation, the hope for our nation is Jesus. Our hope for the nation is the cross. The reason I ran around with the cross as we were singing that beautiful song, that, that old hymn, is the this is it. There's no salvation in any other name but the name of Jesus. And we need to know that. For your own life, for your neighbor's life, for our townships, for our neighborhood. It's Jesus. And I think it was just, uh, just so wonderful just to, to realize that we, we bring a different spirit. Lord Jesus, we pray for that uh, ambulance or whatever rescue vehicle. We pray, wherever that's going, Lord, we pray for the person or people involved. We pray for your healing touch on them. They, they need it. Let's, uh, let's be aware there's stuff always happening around us, and the Lord is always speaking. So whether it's an ambulance going by or uh, you see somebody by the side of the road just looking, looking down, you can pray for them. Just We carry the kingdom of God in us, and that's what we need to know. You and I carry the kingdom of God. We bring a bit of heaven onto earth. We bring some hope. And I think that was, for me, the take-home of, of, of the conference. That Christ in me is the hope of, hope of South Africa. Christ in me is the hope for my family. Christ in you. And so one of the major things was about renewing our minds and getting our m minds renewed. So we, I'm going to ask a few people. I think there were five of us from Sarepta. There was Mary Ellen. There was Anne-Marie. There was Brenda. There was Zelani. Zelani's not shy today, but he will share next week. He was deeply impacted by this. He, he, he just loved it. He loved just worshiping with lots of people and, and just uh, uh, God spoke to him as well. So I think uh, I'm going to ask Milan just to uh, open the batting. What an amazing conference. Annie, did you arrive on the Friday morning? So you were not there for the Thursday night. We haven't checked with one another who's going to share what. But I'm sharing Thursday night, so I'm safe. So Bill Johnson is a fifth-generation pastor at Bethel. And his son is um, already pastoring Bethel, so he is a sixth generation. And young kids around the age of 10 are being reared to be the seventh generation. Isn't that amazing, the legacy that they walk in? And here is a man who, he's just anointed with such a spirit of revelation. He sees so ridiculously deeply into the things of God, into the things of the kingdom, 
and into the scriptures. And I didn't know that he was that funny. I have sat under his teachings at Bethel. I've sat under his teachings in my home on YouTube. I've heard a lot of him, but I haven't heard him like this in my country. And it was the third attempt to come to South Africa, but the first successful one. First time he tried to come out, there was a wedding and it just couldn't be changed. Second time was in 2015 with the Azusa Street Revival and he had to cancel flights. So third time lucky and oh my goodness, oh my goodness, this man. So um, I want to say that by the end of the conference, people were declaring over Bill's life that he is a father of fathers in our nation. And will he please come back? And before he had a chance to reply, three and a half thousand people stood and roared their opinion on that. It was something to behold, to worship and to hang on every word of a preach with three and a half thousand extremely hungry people. Something happens in the atmosphere. The thing that impacted me the most was in the first session. Bill spoke for five sessions and Paul Manwaring, a pastor from Bethel, spoke for two. He took us through from before Adam to after the cross in a remarkable way that I haven't heard before. So the devil in heaven wanted to be worshipped. Of course, he wasn't the devil yet, but he wanted to be worshipped the same as God. So God booted him down, Satan, to earth. And so the serpent is on earth. Now God makes Adam and Eve. You must not touch this tree, and they do. They eat of the forbidden fruit. When they were living as God had intended, God said to Adam and Eve, multiply and be fruitful. Be fruitful doesn't mean to reproduce. Be fruitful means to go after what you're designed for and spread it. You're in a garden and it has borders. Increase the borders of this garden so until it covers the whole earth. That was God's original plan and it's still his original plan. So here are the keys of authority he gives to Adam. I want you to be the boss of this earth. Name the animals. Um, till the earth. This is your domain, and here are the keys of authority. They mess it up. They they eat of the forbidden fruit, and um, in so doing, the serpent now gets the keys of authority. We forward to Jesus' 40-day fast. I haven't left anything out here. You know that feeling when you know you're missing out? It's okay. Jesus is on the mountain. The devil comes to visit him and he says to him, look at all the kingdoms of this world. 
I'll give them all to you. I'll give you the keys back if you would just worship me. The guy's still desperate to be worshipped. Jesus says, no ways. So he dies. And after the cross, he goes down to the lowest parts of the earth where there are many, many people. And these people are those who lived before the cross. And here they are being held captive. And they're waiting for this. This is called paradise. Abraham's bosom. Can you imagine the people who were there? All the heroes of the Old Testament. There they are in the lowest parts of the earth. And Jesus walks into this place called paradise. And he says, I've got the keys back. He holds up the keys. He says, I got them back. Come, come with me. Let's go. I need to present the prize. Hmm. I need to present the prize to my father. Come with me. Let's go up to the father. So he takes this whole host of amazing people to go up to be with the father. And on the way, he bumps into uh, Mary Magdalene at the tomb. And she is weeping because, where is Jesus? Where is he? So he shows himself to her and she reaches out for him. And he says, you can't touch me. I haven't been to the father. Do you remember it? He's on his way. Bill has such a fascinating way of opening up the scriptures. When I say he's a man of extraordinary revelation, he can read a scripture and then point things out so that you feel like you're in the middle of it and you're looking at it not in 3D, but in whatever that D is called where you're in it and you can smell and you can feel. So he has a very humorous take on this particular part. He's got all these people who've been held captive and come on, come on, let's go to the father. And here now he bumps into Mary. Oh, hang on guys. I'll be with you in a moment. He engages with Mary and the guys say to one another, he says, Moses said to David, oh, well, as long as he's busy, let's go sightseeing. And so they walk around Jerusalem. And of course, the scriptures say that people, when, when Jesus, when did people see the saints walking around Jerusalem, dead people after he rose? when he rose. It's just fascinating. I mean, things happened in sequence. Isn't this fascinating to hear the story this way? Then he's finished engaging with Mary, and then he says, come on, guys, let's go up. And they go up to, to the Father to present the prize, which is the blood of Jesus. And then later, he shows himself to the disciples in a locked room and he says peace be with you just like the dove Noah the dove was released but it came back because there was nowhere to land (laughs) Jesus said to the disciples peace be with you 
But it kind of came back to him because no one wanted to take the piece because they were all so flipping terrified. Oh my gosh, Jesus' body has been lost and now they're going to come to us. Let's lock the doors. And here comes this guy into a locked room and they don't know that it's him. So they're terrified. So he shows them himself. Look at my scars. Come and touch me. Now they're allowed to touch him. And he says again, peace be with you. Oh, and they say yes, and they accept that peace. The parallels of the dove on, on, on the ark. So that was just a story that put Mary Magdalene in context for me. He also pointed out how interesting it is that when Jesus was born, the first person to touch him was his mother Mary, who was a virgin and who was pure. The first person to touch him after he was risen was Mary Magdalene, who had been an immoral lady who was not clean. But now here was the pure one who had shed his blood. He was purity itself. He had to die so that this impure one could be pure. How profound is that? So much to say. You can do like three, four preachers just on what you shared. But that authority uh, that was lost at, at, the, gar- at the garden when... Uh, uh, Adam and Eve ate from the, from the forbidden fruit, was, was one back on the cross. And then in the Matthew 28, his final commission, he said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus speaking. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you till the end of the age. So Jesus now has the authority. And what does he do with this authority? He commissions us. He gives you and I authority to go and make disciples, to go and bring the kingdom of heaven onto earth. And that is so exciting that you and I have an authority because Jesus lives in us. And it's the, the, the last words of, those, of that book are, are really important. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's not panic about what's happening anywhere in the world. Because the word here just said, Jesus is with us till the end of the age. Really exciting. Anne-Marie. Friday morning, thank you. I arrived on Friday morning. And firstly, when I was going, I wasn't sure why I was going. And it was for a whole bunch of reasons that I wasn't sure was the right reasons. But I knew I needed to be there um, at the conference. (laughs) Um, so the first thing when we arrived, there was just worship. And the worship, when you've got three and a half, four thousand people together and they are worshiping the Lord, it is, you can't stay in your head for too long because you just actually have to let go and let God and get a hold of Jesus and just worship him. And to have that, it just, it's amazing. It's the most amazing thing. And I know, especially on the Friday night when we worshipped and prayed, and we prayed that chains would be broken across this land and revival would come, that I know God did something, not just in this land, but in people's lives, and it was, it was absolutely brilliant. But um, I've just picked out some things, because there was so much through the whole, for all the sessions, and it was just nugget after nugget after nugget of pure gold. So I'm just going to share some of the ones that step, excuse the glasses. Um, One of the first things, or Bill Johnson was the first person that I heard speak, and I hadn't heard him before, and he is 
ridiculously funny. <laughs> and he tells jokes, and I mean, he's just, but I can't do that anyway. Um, so one of the first things he said is, never squash hope and expectation in people's hearts. And he was speaking about um, David and how David, as a young boy and the last in the family, how he was chosen and how those words were spoken over his life and just how important it is to speak to those we love to each other in the church and everything and to speak hope and expectation so that that's what people grow in and that's what people believe for themselves. Um, That we need to become something that people will come to. That um, Jesus was... We all want to be, we, he drew people, and we have that in us, and we need to become people that people want to become and are drawn to. Um, then he said this, that Jesus lives from heaven to earth, and we need an earthly, we need a heavenly perspective. And his whole thing was on bringing heaven to earth and understanding the kingdom of heaven, and we stand here and we look to heaven from the earth, but we need to get into the mind of Christ and see it from a heavenly perspective and live heaven on earth. And that just, that was brilliant. Um, And then this was Paul Mainwaring. He spoke, and this, I think, is just such an amazing thing for all of us, for every single relationship. And he said, heaven's government, the, the government style of heaven is family, and that's what we are. It's called to be family and what, they, what we meant to establish on earth is a reflection of the relationship between the Godhead. And what was that relationship? It was perfection of love, perfection of loyalty, perfection of honor. And that's what they had amongst each other was loyalty, honor, and um, love. And it came out of a security of purpose and identity. And I just think... I mean, out of just that in itself, in every single one of our relationships in the church, in our families, as siblings, as spouses, in the workplace, everything else, if that is how we're living, we are living the epitome of the Godhead's relationship on earth. And I think that was just incredibly, incredibly powerful. And that's such a challenge for me in my life and in everything. And I just think it does, that was really amazing thing. Um, if you want to change the world, you need to believe you can. And I'm just looking at these young, you guys that were here this morning singing, and your heart is to change the world and to change where you are. Believe it and it will happen. God will do it through you. And worship releases things that God can then do. And it changes the lives and it changes the atmosphere and it changes what happens around you. And when you worship, evangelism happens. So God will do that for you. And he will take the vision of your heart and he will make it real and you will see it as you walk in obedience to what God has done and called you to do. Um, Then this one was a bit random, but it really struck me. Why start a thought process with what you do not have? Um, People ask us to do things or God asks us to do things and we always focus and say, but I can't do that. I don't have it. I don't have the ability. I, don't, I can't speak. I can't sing. I can't lead. Whatever it is, we have every single thing we need in Christ and more. 
you can only give what you have. And he spoke about the parable of Jesus, um, of the disciples and the storm on the boat. He spoke a lot about stories on storms and boats and on water. Not a good thing for the disciples, as it turns out. They didn't learn what they should have. Um, But Jesus was sleeping, and he got up and he calmed the storm because he slept because he was at peace. So what you give comes from what you have inside of you, and you can only give what you've got inside of you. If you don't have peace, you can't give peace. If you don't have the word of God in you, you can't give it. it. It can be in your head, but that's not in your heart, and that's not who you are. So what have we got to give, and what are we putting in ourselves to give? I'm nearly finished. (laughs) Um, And part of that is your internal reality becomes your external reality. So whatever you're living inside is actually what you're displaying on the outside. So we can't fool other people and we can't fool ourselves. Salt and light um, are the two things that we need to be. Salt adds flavor, which... We need to add flavor to the world of us, around us, and that's wisdom. And light draws people. It says a city up on a hill won't be hidden. And we need to be that light, and we need to be drawn to the light, and it, doesn't, it can't be hidden. So be salt and light. And another kind of semi-random one. Victory starts when we stop being impressed with the size of the problem. I won't say more about that one. And then this one I also just think is so amazing. Rule with the heart of a servant and serve with the heart of a king. And then um, Bill Johnson spoke about this towards the end. He said, never apologize for being blessed. You know, often we apologize that, oh, you know, and we're almost apologetic that we're being blessed in somewhere in our lives, whether it's with a relationship, whether it's financially, whether it's a gifting that God has given you, never, ever apologize for being blessed. And the second half of that is never be jealous of what other people have been given. You know, you kind of think, well, that person's got my promotion that I wanted, or that one's got the car, or that one has a gifting that I want. Don't be jealous of what other people have got. Praise God for what they've got, and, be, and rejoice in their blessing as if it's your own. Because then how can God bless you if you're being jealous of what other people have? Um, And part of that is, if you've got a grateful, thankful heart, then there's no room for jealousy. And then the last thing that I just wrote down that kind of summed the whole thing up for me is, transformation needs to start in my heart to influence my family, my relationships, my church, my nation. Brenda. Okay. What I'm sharing is not, um, it's going to be a bit more personal. Is that okay with you? Um, I'm going to share how the conference actually impacted me and what I saw, as opposed to the nuggets that Bill and Paul Mamwaring shared. Um, Because those teachings are online, they are available, and I really do encourage you to um, listen to them when you have the time to. You really, really will be blessed if you do that. Um, So the first thing I want to share is the fact that there was confirmation, which is always encouragement. Um, It's always encouraging to know that one is hearing from God. 
Um, sometimes we can, we can walk around and, and we can wonder whether we're actually hearing God for ourselves or not. Sometimes we can hear God for other people, but we battle to hear God for ourselves. And for me, personally speaking, um, there was lots of encouragement in the fact that there was um, confirmation um, that I was hearing from God. Um, there was also corporate confirmation for us as a body, but I'm sure Adam will share on that as um, the weeks go by. The second thing that I, that, um, that's already been mentioned, but the second thing that really impacted me again was passion and hunger for God on display. That was um, evident in the worship. It was evident in the people on stage, obviously those leading, with such passion and conviction um, there was um, the delegates, or everyone attending, there was just so much passion in the room. It's hard not to be caught up in that and for it to not affect you. It's very difficult to just stand there like a stone and not, in, and not enter in. Um, so, so the passion and the hunger was, was something that impacted me in quite a deep way. When we got to... Um, it was the third day. There's something significant about the third day, which was the Saturday. Because by the Saturday, I started to leak at my eyes. I started, started to leak. <laughs> the worship on, on Saturday was just, yeah, it was crazy wild. It just went to dimensions that just impacted me, and I couldn't help but just cry. Um, and, but then that also carried on into the preach as well. Bill Johnson was preaching then as well, and, and the tears just continued. So third, the, the third day was significant for me. Um, yeah, it was refreshing. It was stirring, encouraging. It was also provoking. It was challenging, and it was stretching. And um, to be exposed to so much passion and hunger for God um, on display in so many, with so many people, like three and a half thousand people, um, you're exposed to an environment that, that I felt it stops me from becoming comfortable with where I'm at and becoming stagnant and stale in my relationship with God. And, and I look for opportunities, personally look for them, to, to expose myself to that type of passion, that type of hunger, that type of, yeah, just desperation for God. Um, because it stops me from, from becoming stale. And um, that could look like if I can't make it to a conference, which I know many of you can't always get to a conference because it's just not possible. But I would encourage you to listen to videos, DVDs, to, to go to that place that, that just impacts you, that, that place with, that, that can feed you. And if it's not a DVD, then maybe it's an audio. And if it's not an audio, then go to the next best thing, pick up a book. But just do whatever is necessary to get to that place of just being motivated and inspired and just hungry and hungry and hungrier for God. Because there's always a deeper place to go. Um, <clears throat> the other thing that impacted me, and I'm going to read some scripture because I want to show you that there is biblical precedence for what I'm saying, um, and it actually is something that impacted me more when I got home, 
Because you know when you're sitting in that environment and, and like it's been already mentioned, Bill Johnson has this way of, of saying something and you need to hit the pause button. Stop. So you can process. And you just, he, you can't tell him to stop in the middle of a conference. So it's good to go back and listen so that you can stop and journal and write and, and, and process what he's saying. So, and there was just, we had, we had like truckloads of stuff poured on us. It was, it was ridiculous. So, so by the time I got home, I was like drowning in all of this knowledge and revelation and you kind of like don't know what to do with it. And so by the time I got home, I could feel it was all rising to the top. And on the Monday, I had a very, 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 very messy day. Um, the family had gone back to work and to, you know, things were getting back to normal. And I just took the day off. The housework and everything else could wait. Um, and I spent most of my morning and, and day on on the carpet in the lounge, just seeking God and just in a mess, in a puddle, sobbing because of just all the, the impact of, of those three days. And then he showed me what I had seen. Um, and in, in, one, in one sentence, I can say, I saw the Lord. I saw, I saw the Lord. Now, I don't mean in a physical form standing in front of me. Um, I don't mean in a vision. I don't mean in a dream. I, I didn't sleep long enough in those three days to have a dream. <laughs> um, that's another story altogether. Um, but if my attitude had been one of, I've heard this all before, what's next? If my attitude had been, you know, I've, I've heard all, because uh, I've listened to so many podcasts and I've watched so many DVDs of, with Bill Johnson in it. If I had, if I had said, well, I've heard, I've heard this all before, so, you know, so what? If I'd had the attitude of, I've heard all these jokes before, there's nothing new, I've heard this stuff, what's next, on, what's next for me? Um, and not paid attention to the burning bush that was burning inside, because something was ignited. Had I come home and just moved on, I would have missed the full impact of, of, of this conference. And so turning aside and paying attention to the burning bush that was on, in, on, on the inside of me, um, I started to see for real. I started to see what I had actually seen at this conference. Um, it was a little bit more subtle than miracles, signs, and wonders, and we did see people get healed. Um, what impacted me wasn't of, of, a physical, of a physical sense, of a physical, it, it wasn't something I could see pinpoint with my physical eyes. Um, but what I did see, the Lord opened my eyes to the fact that he, God himself, was pouring himself through a human vessel who 
is submitted and surrendered and yielded to God, and it looked like wisdom and revelation. Rivers of wisdom and revelation flowing through a human vessel. And that wisdom and revelation is not of this world. So I want to read something to you from the book of Kings, First Kings. And it's actually from the life story of Solomon. I'm sure you're familiar with it. But it says this, it says, Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. Moving forward in the story, it take, I want to take you to the Queen of Sheba. I actually want to meet this lady, the Queen of Sheba. I've never thought of meeting her before, but I would really like to speak to her. When the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his revelation to the, na- to the name of the Lord, she came to test him. With hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan, with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the, and the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord. She was overwhelmed. Some of the translations speak about her having no spirit within her. Um, Some of them speak about her being breathless. King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom of God that he had put in his heart. I'm not elevating Bill Johnson to biblical proportions, and I'm not suggesting that Bill Johnson is on a par with the wisdom of Solomon. But I am suggesting that there are parallels because what I saw were people from across the nation. Had the venue been bigger, I'm sure the conference would have been bigger. But that's what I saw. I saw people coming from all over the nation, gathering in one place to sit and listen to one man We also see people from all over the world attending Bethel. Why are they going there? They're going to glean not just from the wisdom and the revelation flowing from a vessel, but also to see and experience how it affects life in a personal and corporate way within a church and within a city. So that they can go home and do the same where they live. Because it is all about bringing kingdom on earth. And so what I saw flowing through Bill Johnson 
was God himself, the wisdom of God, the revelation of God. And that's why I say, I saw the Lord. And it is a gift to the body of Christ, to all those who recognize it and embrace it. Those who are recognizing it and embracing it are being deeply impacted by this river of revelation and wisdom. And those who choose to ignore it aren't and won't. So, but I don't want to stop there because we can, we can be, we can be fascinated by what's going on and coming through the vessel and we can stop there. But for me, it took me further than that because the sign always points to a greater reality and the source is God. That it's God that's filling the human vessel. That it's God that is manifesting himself as he chooses to. As, as, as one submits and surrenders and yields one's life. But the important thing is, is that we turn from that and we say, God, you are awesome. You are awesome. And that's what it did for me. I came back and said, this is what I've seen. This is what I've heard. And like Job, now I see because I took my eyes off the man, off the human vessel and I put them back on the Lord and I suddenly just saw how God still, if I can put it in these words, um, still humbles himself and takes on human flesh by coming to dwell within human vessels and flow through human vessels like you and I and the likes of Bill Johnson. And so if I can encourage you to dig deeper, to allow God to stir the hunger within you, to grab a hold of whatever it is that you can to stir the hunger within you, to go deeper and to go higher. To go deeper is to go higher in the kingdom. Amen. So our source is always Jesus. The, the conference started off, and it was wonder, a wonderful start. Uh, John Crumpton, uh, for those who, who don't know, Derek Crumpton, many years ago, John's father used to be the apostolic oversight of, of Sarepta Church. And it was just wonderful to see uh, John, Crumpton, John Crumpton honoring his dad. His dad was sitting there, his dad and his, uh, I think, some similar age to, to Jonathan and his He's three years older, so he's like 85, 86. Uh, and uh, just honoring, Derek was one of the, one of the leaders in, in our nation, which really pushed into the things of the Spirit. That was, that was what he was known, known for. And uh, uh, it was just so wonderful to see John taking that, his dad's mantle. And then uh, John, John is just such a gentle beautiful man and, and just uh, they gave such honor to, uh, to, to the dad and so he had an impact in our community he made a difference part of why we are here today is because of, of Derek Crumpton's input into, into the leaderships uh, in Sarepta over the years and it's so, so, it was so wonderful so, so for me what you take home is, is not the people and, and, the, and the, the vessels were, were, were great. And 
I, I even prefer Paul Manwaring because I think maybe I have a, he's British. Uh, I always prefer the British. And he, he carries a, he didn't bring his, his little, <laughs> he didn't bring his little cricket bat, but he's got a cricket bat with uh, uh, all the signatures of the English cricket team on the one side and all the South African on the other side. And he has a passion and a heart for, for this nation. And, he, and he's carried this little cricket bat around with him through moves, and he's moved all around the country. But maybe I'll share a bit more uh, next week uh, about that. But yeah, he said next time he'll bring the cricket bat. I saw it when I was in America. But maybe I'll just leave a, a one-liner with you. And it's Reinhard Bonnke, who was quoted in the... In the conference, those who, constant, who are constantly seeking for the will of God are run over by those who are doing it. We're always asking, what's the will of God for my life? What's God's purpose for my life? And I think I will emphasize this again next week. But where are you Monday to Saturday? That's God's will and purpose for your life. It might be bringing up little children. It might be help running a, a big multinational company. It might be selling homes. It might be teaching. That's the will of God for you. Operations. That's the will of God for you. I love this. I love Paul Manwaring because he started, who, who shared, he was a male, started off life as a male nurse. And that's uh, and his and his passion. I better stop, and I can't, I can't stop now. I've got, I've got started going. And 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 he said his last on his last day at work, in the in the hospital. Somebody came in to the emergency room. And they were, for all intents and purposes, dead. And the wife, and they did all the stuff. And poor man wearing said he hit him in the chest. He said, "You're not allowed to do that anymore." I don't think. But the guy came back to life. He bought, he bought, he, he resuscitated somebody. He, he partnered with God in his, in, in the knowledge that he had as a, as a, as a, as a male nurse as, and what they, what they did. And so we, whatever you do, wherever you find yourself, bring the kingdom of God, bring the kingdom of God to your home, your family, because you your family needs the kingdom of God. My family needs the kingdom of God. We all do. We need Jesus. And this nation needs not only the three or four thousand that were up at uh, Midrand. They need the 120, the 200s that meet and all these little fellowships all around. Bring, bringing Jesus. Being salt and light. Being light, being flavor. It was such a privilege. I had a privilege of going and praying at, at Lindsay's work on, on uh, Wednesday, I think it was. Such a joy just to go and pray and, and just in, in the boardroom, in the office. Because that's where Jesus is. Monday to Friday. He's, he's there. He, he, he's, in, he's in Lindsay. I know Lindsay hates being picked out on these things. But that's, that's, that's where he is. Because Christ in you goes wherever you go. And we want the kingdom to come. So we're going to do things. We've done some things very differently today. We're going to close with some worship. And we're going to ask the kingdom of God to come. Anybody who wants prayer for anything. 
whether it's healing, whether it's just what Brenda asked you. Yes, yeah, so we'll bring we'll bring Jeannie up as well. If we uh, if if you're hungry and thirsty and you want some of that hunger and thirst, that that encounter with uh, uh, God that 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 Brenda had uh, just on a, on a, at home. Come for prayer. We need to be hungry and thirsty for God because we need it. 